Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to a recap episode of Liberty for Her. I'm going to make this short and sweet. I just wanted to give all of you a little bit of a, an at-a-glance listen to the last nine episodes that we've created in this particular season that we uh, met with female founders over 40. If you haven't had a chance to listen to all of them, this will give you a, a little bit of insight into each one, and then you can go back and choose the ones of your liking. I think all nine are worth it, but I know that some of you are limited in time, so we hope these recaps are helpful. So in episode 101, uh, I did something for the first time. I actually invited a female finder instead of a female founder. Maha Ibrahim is a general partner of Canaan Partners, an early stage venture company. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard business owners talk about venture capital like it was a silver bullet. It would save them from all their woes. Um, and it was kind of the thing that they felt like that was preventing them from having the success in their business that they had set out to have. So I thought, what better thing to do than sit down with a woman who is in venture capital and kind of find out a little bit more about how we go about this in sitting down with Maha to discuss her own approach to decision-making when it comes to who she invests in. It was interesting to hear her talk about how important the market was. It was also interesting to have her break down for our female founder community of listeners what it means to raise capital. It's so overwhelming and often feels unattainable. And she does a great job of breaking it down, whether you're raising millions of dollars or thousands. I think this episode is a great go-to reference. She delivers intentional insight for anyone who's considering raising money to scale their business. My favorite quote from Maha is, I will say this until the day I retire, market, market, market. I need to believe that you are in a big enough market to make me billions of dollars. Remember, this is for Canaan Partners. This doesn't mean that you need to make billions of dollars to seek venture uh, money, any kind of extra funding that you might need. But I thought it was a really important quote for those of us who think that venture capital specifically is what we need for our company. In episode 102, I then talked to Sophia, Dr. Excuse me, Sophia Yen, to discuss her passions with regard to women's health, birth control, and female founders. She herself is a woman over 40, as all of these women are in this season, and someone who has had a career before becoming a founder. She um, speaks on how her life experiences have equipped her to successfully start her own business, Pandia Health, and she dives deep into the world of telemedicine, talks a lot about how COVID really shaped um, how we understand and use that, and the need for both women-led and doctor-led companies to really take the helm of that sector of the market. She discusses delegating tasks to others and leaning into people's strengths. She also shares how she's woven the support of other female founders into her business. It's a great one to listen to. She's doing some really interesting things that are bringing women's health literally to your door. So check out that episode. Her uh, quote that I really loved is, it's the experience that we bring to the table 
in general and in startups, the older female founder always does better. And that actually is being more and more statistically proven that older founders are finding more success. So it was great to to hear that from Dr. Yen. Then I got to connect with Heidi Krupp for episode 103. Heidi is like, if you're an exercise fiend, she's like a soul cycle session. But for me, she's like a great cup of coffee. She energizes you and leaves you ready to take on the world. She actually shared her own journey of starting and growing her business. She goes, which is, by the way, Krupp Communications. But she goes all the way back to her early days uh, with Barbara Walters at ABC News. She talks about why she started her company and sold her car to launch her company. And that's a great story. You've got to hear that. Heidi walks us through high points in her career, like landing spots for best-selling authors on Oprah. And she also goes through some of her low points, ones that she believes are there to redirect us. She confesses that the pandemic has caused her to rethink her process and business and really refreshed her outlook on her business and what she was doing at the age of 54. She encourages everyone to pursue their dreams no matter their age and offers up some advice in the process. She says, you can't miss anything unless you want to miss it, which I thought was a great quote. She also has another quote that I love. And she says, when you look back, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, this was all happening for me, not to me. It was like my own movie that I can now look back and reflect on as my backstory And it helped me to become the person that I am, the boss that I am, the business that I have, and the book I'll hopefully someday write about the brand that I've created. I loved that. This is not happening, or this is happening for me. It's not happening to me. I think it's a great uh, way for us to approach things when they are low and they're intended to redirect us, as she says. I then uh, had an opportunity in episode 104 to talk to Erica Reitman. We've talked to Erica before in our Mentor Mondays. Some of you have had the opportunity to listen to her. If you are not following her on Instagram, do so right now. She um, talks about how she's become a coach to coaches. I mean, how meta can you get? In her past life, she was a successful interior designer. She wrote for HGTV, Elle Decor, House Beautiful, and Huffington Post, and shares that career journey and how she went from marketing to interior design to now her current role as this coach to coaches that really focuses on Instagram and building her business on Instagram. She offers tons of tips and insights uh, that are sure to make your Instagram page thrive. And again, I'm just telling you, if you're not following her, you have to. The Her approach to Instagram is so methodical and meaningful. And she goes beyond the 10 tips that you can get when you Google, you know, how to grow my Instagram. She encourages you to be fully authentic by being authentic herself. She sort of shows you how to do that in in the way she does that herself and how that is really the key to experimenting with social media, just to kind of lean into the thing that you would normally do, that you want to do, that brings you joy, and how, as a result, it draws the kind of audience and consumer, customer, clients that she's looking to have. She talks about how age and experience have taught her to get over the need to people please and how doors have opened as a result. These are the same doors she believes can open for all of us when we commit to being ourselves. That word authentic is overused um, but I think in this in this particular 
episode and with Erica leading us through this conversation, you'll see that it's an important and meaningful use of the word. Two quotes that she said that I I loved was, I had lived most of my life feeling like things were happening to me, which is, I think, the way most of us at a certain age feel. Once I started experimenting with myself, I really started seeing changes come about quickly. And she says it was so friggin' exciting. And she doesn't always use the word friggin', so that's a little spoiler for anybody or warning for anybody that's uh, following her. And um, she says that it was a game changer in her life, the way she was enjoying herself and the dreams she had for herself. She felt like she wanted to help others do the same. I loved that quote. She also says, what I've seen in myself is the desire to get over people pleasing, to finally step up to the plate of living the life that I wanted to live and not be afraid to do it, to really try to experience the world in a way that she'd never fully committed to before. And I think she, in sharing that quote about herself, she invites us to do the same. And then I got to catch up with somebody for the second time. I think it's the only time I've talked to somebody twice. I caught up with Allie Webb in episode 105. Of course, we all know her from the dry bar, but we spent some time talking about her most recent um, launch, which is called Beckett and Quill. And we talked about how this was her first experience with a direct-to-consumer business. It's a jewelry brand. And it's the first time not only in that business, but in a business without her dry bar team. So at the age of 46, she definitely advises uh, us to say, or, or says that it's never too late to start a business. And if there's something you don't feel confident doing, find people that have the skills to do it. Don't abandon that thing. Just find people that can fill in the gaps for you. She says that no less than like three times throughout the episode. So I, I believe that that's been an important thing for her. She also talks about her motivation to start her own podcast. She has several right now. And her belief that every business has different measures of success and fulfillment. She spends some time talking about the, the kind of gargantuan success that Drybar was and that her focus on Beckett and Quill wasn't to match that success, but to find fulfillment in doing something and being successful at something by measuring it against different standards. And I thought that was really important. Oftentimes, when we think about female founders or going into entrepreneurship and listen to podcasts like these, it's easy to be wowed by the women who are making millions of dollars and employing, you know, hundreds of people and getting on the covers of this and that. But I think what we're really trying to do is empower you to do the thing that you want to do and measure success according to your standards. And Allie really highlights that for us. I love that she says, one of her quotes is, Reinvention comes at every age, whether you're 20 or 40. I know so many women in their 50s who are starting new businesses and ventures all the time. I really don't think it's ever too late. And I think life is short and you should figure out the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning and gets you excited and do it. I also think, and this is a can I get an amen quote, one of my favorite of all time is Allie says, you're kind of your biggest obstacle. And I think that's so true. Um, rarely do we hear women say, that it was, you know, technology or money or even the pandemic that ultimately caused them to hang up their dreams. It's often themselves that they were their biggest obstacles. So hang on to that one and figure out what that obstacle is for you and how you can circumvent it in whatever way you need to. In episode 106, I then sat down with Nan Simonson and 
This was such a special interview. Nan is in her 70s, just wrote and published a book that came out earlier this year. And it's really all about how we age powerfully. And when you listen to the podcast, you'll understand that that's actually an acronym for how to live and age well. And I encourage you guys to listen to the podcast so that you can learn about that acronym and what it means for you. It was great to talk to her because we got this, really this lifelong story about how as a young mother, she was determined to have her own career and found herself selling Tupperware only to become one of the top 10 Tupperware outlets uh, in the world, like internationally. Uh, So much so that they had multiple distribution centers and did this for over 20 years. And her husband, who was an engineer, ended up leaving his work to join her in what was their multi-million dollar company through Tupperware. After selling Tupperware, she then decided that she wanted to be a master gardener. This woman doesn't do anything in a small way. And she created um, a master garden tour out of her own acre of land that they owned in Southern California and was well-recognized for it. The garden was published several times. And from that, other people um, ended up hiring her to do landscape design. And as a result, um, through word of mouth, her landscape design business was born and flourished. 15 years later, she then retired from that business and decided that she wanted to study, to really learn actually first and study about nutrition. And she came to terms with her own lifelong eating disorder, which is so beautiful to hear her talk about, um, something that is so heartbreaking in that she had not only dealt with it as a young teen, which we often think about, but she had dealt with it her entire life. And she t- decides that diving into deep into classes to really understand and learn was the best way to kind of get in front of this and ultimately to teach others about it. At 70 years old, she's tackling now her third career as a health coach and, of course, author, as I mentioned earlier. Her work is geared towards teaching people how to age powerfully, as I mentioned before. And she's really trying to help people figure out how to radically change how they age. A couple quotes from Nan that I love is she says, throughout the journey of evolution, I spent a lot more time looking at what I wasn't than what I was. And maybe that was a good thing. Maybe it made me more determined, but it was a huge waste of energy. And if I, and then her second one is, if I have a regret, it's that I didn't stretch even more and that I didn't try even more things because I hadn't been in, because I, if I hadn't been in my own way during that time, I could have gone further. I could have taken additional steps. From somebody at the age of 70 who has not only tackled three different careers, but has succeeded in all three of them, it was really interesting to hear her talk about getting in her own way and how she would have done even more. And I felt like it was a a caution to many of us that were listening to really pursue those things that come to mind for us and that we feel called to. Um, Having said that, I don't know what she's missed because what a beautiful life. Uh, Listen to that episode and I think you'll agree. Then I had a chance to catch up uh, with Sherry Boyer for episode 107. We discussed her passions that have launched her company, Plant Society. With the legalization of cannabis in California in particular, Sherry kind of entered the wild, wild west by launching her website, which was curated products and in-depth content about cannabis and CBD. That's what Plant Society 
launched as. After extensive research and partnering with an RN who is a medical cannabis advocate and developing this eight-point testing standard, her passion for CBD as a way to heal became a thriving business. Um, She shares how you don't always have to develop your own products. You can curate and amplify the best ones that are already available and become a trusted resource for for customers, which is exactly what Plant Society did. I also thought it was interesting in talking to Sherry about her life, the way she grew up. She says her parents were somewhat hippies, but that they always uh, leaned toward natural uh, remedies and solutions. And that in taking a look at how our medical system is constructed, it doesn't really allow for us to point or doesn't point us in those directions first. It's not Sherry's first time at being an entrepreneur. Um, She has a very successful business that you need to listen to the podcast to learn more about, but it's fascinating. She's doing some really interesting things with national parks. And she learned that the most important thing was for her to launch not a, a, you know, 100-page business plan, but just a one-page business plan with a five-year vision. I thought this was a really key distinction that she made in our conversation. And she talked about... um, how this five-year vision could allow her to be nimble to get to what she ultimately wanted to get to, which was the end of five years and not this sort of recipe for how every single thing year after year needed to take place. And as a result of the pandemic, how things even had to shift for her, but she could still stay on target to that five-year plan. She also talks about due to the legal issues around advertising cannabis, she was forced to engage with various communities because she couldn't just, you know, she couldn't shout this out through ads on Facebook or whatever. And forcing that, forcing her to talk to these communities allowed um, her to spread the word about what she was doing and to do it in a way that was really authentic to who she was. And she really implores us to stay flexible and listen that that the most important thing, and and this is the quote that I love from her, is to follow your bliss. Where does that lead you when you have nothing on your calendar or when you um, consciously mark off an hour in your calendar just for yourself? What do you do? What do you like to do? What do you like to spend your time doing? And then really look at that to to come up with sort of what's next for you. Um, And those are just a few gems from, from that conversation with Sherry. In episode 108, I got to interview someone I'd been wanting to connect with for years about this particular topic. Um, I wanted to talk to Susan Feldman because she launched her first entrepreneurial venture at 53. One Kings Lane was a huge success, and she sold that company only to launch a second venture um, fueled by her own passion to help women age confidently and that is uh, get in the groove. And Susan's mantra, stay young at heart, is one that I feel like is reflected in both who she is and her attitude about living. She launched this company, as I mentioned, in her 60s and really took a look in our conversation at the difference between when she launched One King's Lane and then launched uh, In the Groove. She talked about the differences between starting those businesses, the lessons she learned along the way, and kind of holding herself to a different standard the second time around. Sometimes that even made things more difficult because she knew uh, what she was up against the second time around versus the first time ignorance was bliss, uh, as they say. 
She points out that our outlook on entrepreneurship shouldn't really focus on reinventing ourselves, but instead on a new iteration of who we already are. This was so kind of um, profound for me to hear her say that because I think often, and we do it on this podcast, we, we talk about people's total reinvention, that they really looked at what they wanted to do with their life and kind of started from uh, a clean slate. And I think that can really be overwhelming for a lot of us when we just need a tiny shift. And and by hearing Susan talk about this, this iteration on who we already are, I think it gave some real context and some meat to what that could mean. Her quote is, maybe it doesn't need to be a massive reinvention, Um, where you do something completely different. Take inventory of your strengths and your experiences and figure out what that next next iteration is and keep it simple and stay focused. And uh, wiser words were never spoken. For the wrap-up episode, I got to connect with April Uchitel. Uh, she's a fellow Coloradan, a 50-year-old with teenage and a 50-year-old with teenagers. We got to discuss uh, how she co-founded the board during and as a result of the pandemic. April was keenly aware during her time in the pandemic of what was going on all around her, personal and professional peers, and how they were experiencing that season and started to recognize that there's a seismic shift happening and the pandemic has brought it to fruition or brought it to, given it clarity, I think. And she says, across all these industries, there were shifts that were happening, people that were being furloughed and laid off and fired. And all this talent was sort of living out there reinventing the way they wanted to live their lives and perhaps not not going into a, a desk and a nine to five um, was was the goal anymore. And a lot of the the people that she talks about, they themselves were in their 40s and 50s and 60s and saying, I'm at the top of my game and I'm not sure that I'm living the life that I want to be living. So with the help of you know, listening to them, I think she started to question what would happen if we could parlay these extremely talented freelancers into project-based curated consulting teams for young businesses that needed the guidance and the leadership from this experience, from these experienced leaders. And that's how the board came to be. Um, They're shifting this top-down model into more of a community model. And she does a beautiful job of really describing that. Um, one of the reasons why the board is so sought after is because of April's depth of experience and foresight to really counteract this growing ageism in the workplace and leaning into the experience of these industry leaders who are now at the top of their game. She talks about her own decades of experience. She talks about 20 years in the fashion industry, nine years as the EVP of global sales and strategy at Diane von Furstenberg. Um, Her time uh, at Spring, she talks about her time at uh, Violet Gray and kind of walks you through um, all of her respective roles too. She was a chief brand officer. She was the CEO uh, when she was at Violet Gray. And Naomi Watts's company, which I can't remember right now, it's not coming to mind, but listen to it. It's in the podcast. And she also talks about how the work she's doing through the board is really going to be able to help these companies strategize and brand build and avoid many of the problems that they ran into because they couldn't foresee what they couldn't foresee. 
But bringing in these experienced people who've kind of been there and done that could help these companies to do that. It was Onda, Onda Beauty. That's what it, that's the name of Naomi Watts's. um, Thanks, Elizabeth. She's over there sending me notes. And April, I think this is, this is such a testament to what she's built, but she considers her superpower matchmaking. Um, Talk about leaning into your strength. Two quotes from April that really stood out to me were, now more than ever, there's an element of reinvention. It can be scary, but it can also be so empowering. I love that this reinvention, um, this idea of reinvention came up with both April and Susan. Her other quote that I really liked is one that really helped her to shape the board. And here it is. It says, Uh, She says, it really became clear that there's a new future, a new way of thinking about how we work, not only from a freelance perspective, but a collaboration perspective. I think there's been a real shift from competition to cooperation and collaboration. And I feel like it's a moment in time where we all hope to seize and sustain it. I love that quote. And I think even beyond her business, the board, it's something that we can all consider uh, or reconsider as we think about how to to move and shift into working with other people to bring our collective dreams together. So I hope you enjoy those episodes. I hope there's something in there for each of you that helps you to, you know, as we always say, consider your own possibilities and liberate those dreams. And we're looking forward to bringing you a wonderful season three. Stay tuned for more information on what that's going to look like and some fun things that we've got going on to help you dig deeper into each of the podcasts that we bring to you. Until then, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty For Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower.